The following is a production of Art Trap Productions, brought to you by the Gallifreyan Embassy and has been made possible by supporting subscribers and donations from listeners like you. This episode brought to you by Pachak Supporting Subscribers. Go to arttrap.com slash Pachak Supporter to become a supporting subscriber. Support the show and get extra content and other bonuses. This episode brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download at audibletrial.com slash podshock. Over 85,000 titles to choose from for your iPod or MP3 player. This episode also supported by the Podshock Podcast Companion app for the iPhone, iPad, and iPod Touch, now in the iTunes App Store. Are you taller? Heels. What, you have to reach a high shelf? Right, gotta go, gonna be late. For a shelf. Hi. There you go, you've got another playmate. Hardly anywhere in the universe has that number. Well, I've got it. Yes, some woman in a shop. We still don't know who that was. Is that her now? Very few people that it could be. Don't. Why not? Because if you answer it, something will happen. What? A thing. It's just a phone, Clara. Nothing happens when you answer the phone. Live from a long-forgotten private vault in the bank of Carabroxus, it's Doctor Who, Podshock. The Gallifrey Embassy presents Doctor Who Pachak, episode 311, 311. This is Louis Trapani. Trapani, I should get my name right, right? Maybe, perhaps. And joining me is the ever-present Mr. Dave A.C. Cooper. Hey, Dave. Nothing happens. Nothing bad happens when you join a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> no, nothing bad happens when you join the podcast. Either live or um, recorded, but especially live. <laughs> well, I've never tried joining one when I'm dead. No doubt I will. Well, be one day. yeah. Well, we'll we'll, we'll tempt that from. That's a promise we'll make to each other that we'll we'll continue on in the afterlife if whatever whatever awaits us afterwards. Um, unless we Good. get, unless we um, encounter the memory worms, then we'll completely forget about it. And <laughs> of course, I don't know about you, but I might be in paradise. Well, you you might be. <laughs> no, no spoilers to the um, to the. Well, I, I have no I no information other than the title of the of the last episode. So, um, no spoilers there, at least for me. So I hope you're doing well. You're just coming off the heels of the Cultum Collective, and you just, um, so I know it's it's a busy day for you as well. And I appreciate you being here. Good to be here. Always good to be here. Well, it's um, it's good to be here. You know, we have limited hours here at the bank because um, that's what banks do. <laughs> and 
and uh, but you could um, if you if you want to make a deposit, just go there and see the teller. Yeah, I thought the, the I always thought the teller was the one that gave you money. But there you go. <laughs> well, now now it gives you memories or takes them. <laughs> <laughs> takes them. Yeah. So, well, before we get to our review, as we're hinting here, we're going to be reviewing the latest episode of Doctor Who, which is um, Time Heist, which um, premiered yesterday, and we're reviewing it today, and you're listening to it tomorrow. No, actually, you listen, if you're live, you're listening to it now, Or, but then again, if you're tuning in from the future or in the past, uh, I'm not going to get into the timey-wimey stuff. But uh, before we get into our review, there's a little bit of news to uh, to touch upon that the BBC has confirmed guest stars for the Christmas special, which um, are among the guest stars are Nick Frost, uh, Nathan McCullen, McMullen, and Michael Troughton, interesting enough. Michael Troughton, if the name sounds familiar, uh, is the son of Patrick Troughton, the second doctor, and uh, probably many might know Nick Frost as well. Uh, he's... Um, um, known for um, he, he's done a lot of work with um, S- um, Peg um, Simon is it Simon no. Simon Peg Simon okay for some reason Simon wasn't sounding right in my head <laughs> Simon Peg yes so um, it will be interesting to see uh, what parts they play and um, yeah you definitely can see the likeness um, some likeness to uh, his father with Michael Troughton and uh, but you know. Um, they're, I'm assuming they're uh, they're shooting. They're probably shooting the Christmas special now, and um, obviously from <laughs> it's not going to be airing on Easter. It will be airing at Christmas, so we have um, we we have that much more time to go before we learn more about it. And there, the time's going too quickly. I mean, this we're going to be talking about episode five already. We've only got is it. 13 episodes, but that includes that Christmas episode, yeah, so uh, 12 the time is marching Christmas, on ever yeah. so fast. Yeah, so uh, next week we'll be at the halfway point after next week, I believe. Yeah. So, you know, for for this, you know, not, count, not counting the Christmas special, that is. All right. So that's pretty. And this is, um, you know, speaking of time marching on, for those in the Northern Hemisphere, this is the last day of summer. Uh, technically, well, it depends on um, wh- what your definition of summer is, but uh, yeah, this is um, autumn begins tomorrow here, uh, at, you know, in, in the U.S. So I don't know where the summer went, but I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna dwell on it. Time marches on. There's nothing we can do about that. We're all time travelers marching forward in time. Indeed. Well, as always, um, I'm going to take some time to warn people before we get into a review. Is there any other news that we want to cover? Uh, that was the, the biggest news that I that I knew of this week. I mean, unless uh, you want to get into the overnight not, ratings not, or anything like that. I, um, I, I'm not that big of a bean counter, so I, I don't follow that that closely. And unless it's uh, coffee beans, then I'll count those. Well, uh, the, I'll, I'll give you the, the listen consolidated ratings with just over 11 million, 11.1 million. Uh, that's according to the figures available. And this, of course, is UK figures. Um, and the time heist overnight viewing figures were um, 4.93 million, um, which was uh, just under a 24% share of the total audience. Uh, overall, Doctor is currently uh, 20th for the week. Good, good figures, you know, as um, 
people of Radio Free Scarlet would say, you know, don't start panicking if you think the numbers are going down. Uh, they're, they're respectable numbers, um, but um, obviously the 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 uh, the very first episode being a feature-length film and all the publicity and recent episodes that we've had the world tour, uh, and obviously the viewing figures now in the UK are not the be-all and end-all anyway because it's uh, an international, it's a world phenomenon. Yeah. Uh, I'm not saying it's the most important thing in TV, far from it. There's some great drama documentary out there whether, you know, Orange is the New Black or uh, House of Cards or Arrow or whatever it is, whatever <laughs> it is that is your <laughs> stick. Um, uh, you know, the, you know, Doctor Who... Is, is is a very healthy franchise indeed, and uh, it seems to be doing well. And um, no doubt some people will have uh, preferred some episodes of this series than others, and we'll shortly be finding out what people thought yeah. about this particular episode. Yeah. yeah, that's always the case. All right, well, uh, so I guess before we go any, f- any further, as always... Spoilers. Oops. Spoilers. Again. Spoilers. 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 Okay, once again, we're not talking about car accessories. We're talking about spoilers. So if you haven't seen Time Heist, which is the latest episode of the 2014 series of Doctor Who, you may not want to listen to this podcast because you'll be, you know, there'll be spoilers. So that's something to, uh, to consider. This is a recorded message. I am the architect. Your last memory is of receiving a contact from an unknown agency. Me. Everything since has been erased from your minds. Now pay close attention to this briefing. This is the Bank of Karabraxos, the most secure bank in the galaxy. A fortress for the super rich. If you can afford your own star system, this is where you keep it. No one sets foot on the planet without protocols. All movement is monitored, all air consumption regulated. DNA is authenticated at every stage. Intruders will be incinerated. Each fault buried deep in the earth is accessed by a drop slot at the planet's surface. It's atomically sealed. An unbreakable lock. The atoms have all been scrambled. Your presence on this planet is unauthorized. The team will have been dispatched to terminate This is bank security. Open up. Your survival depends on following my instructions. Open up, and you should be humanely disposed of. There's another exit. All the information you need is in this case. What are you doing? Downloading. Wow, Lantern's nice. The bank of Carabaxos is in So Time Heist, it's written by uh, Stephen Thompson with Stephen Moffat, um, and it's uh, directed by the same director from last week, Douglas Mc, uh, McKinnon, and um, it's um, obviously it, it, it deals with um, with the Bank of Carabraxas, if I'm pronouncing that correctly. 
so um, oh, and I, I have to I have to make a confession because if you listen to last week's episode, you may have heard me say something about Missy being in next week's and all that. I had mistaken the actress um, Keely Hors who uh, who plays um, uh, Delph Miss Delphox and and Madame um, Carabraxis in this episode as Missy when I saw the the teaser. So I, um, I, I wasn't paying close attention. And I, I, I knew that, um, you know, that, 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 um, again, I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing her name right. Keely, Keely, right? Keely? Keely Hawes. Keely Hawes. Okay. It's a, yeah. It's a she, surname. It's difficult. Yeah. And so she, I, I had known that she was cast and she was playing this other character and, um, you know, I, I didn't know what it was going to entail, but we, we've seen photos and um, of her as the character, and I had made some car- some comparisons to how she looked with, um, you know, um, pl- you know, with, um, com- comparing her to um, Ghostbusters. Um, now I forget the character's name in Ghostbusters, the receptionist with the big glasses and short hair and all that. Um, Anyway, it seems like a lot of the, um, and, and someone had somewhere it was posted out. Posted, uh, someone had posted something about this, pointing out the the similarities between a lot of the female um, villains um, in in Doctor Who lately have have the same same sort of like stark look to them, um, including Missy as well. So there, there's some. Um, some trend going on there, but this was a miss actually a, a where I thought we were going to get um, more Missy this episode. We actually got none. So, and there, there was no, 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 what, well, was there? We don't know, do we? Well, there, there was some reference in there about the phone call. Oh yeah, came from oh, yes. a woman in okay. the shop. That's so true. Whether yes. that was Missy. So, but there was no, there was no direct mention of it. That doesn't stop people speculating. Yeah, yeah. No, I had always assumed that you know once the, um, you know this series started that Missy was that woman or, or somehow supplied the phone number to the, to that woman in the shop, and may, maybe now it, it could have been um, this character. Who knows? I don't know. It's still a question mark. Even the doctor doesn't know yet. He says only uh, only a limited well, people that's... have that number. So I'm thinking, well. Who are those people? There's um, th- there's uh, Churchill. Um, I don't th- unless he was in drag. I don't think it was Churchill. So um, you know, unless he gave the number to someone. But someone had to know. Right. There had to be some. It can't, it can't just be a random person calling. Someone was steering um, Clara. You know, at that point. Well, you know, the whole purpose right. of the call. All right. Well. Um, so getting back to this episode, I, you know, because of my um, expectations and thinking that this was going to be like a like a whole Missy thing and all that, um, my expectations going into this was pretty low. So um, I had pretty low expectations going into this. So it actually was better than I was expecting. Um, though that said, it's I didn't dislike it, but I didn't I wasn't really on the edge of my seat. Um, you know. Um, cheering for it either. Uh, the characters are interesting, uh, though a lot of things happen very quickly. If the, the, the story really gets, you know, happens almost immediately after the phone call, after that, you, you kind of plunged right into it. 
there comes a certain point in, and again, I'm not giving anything away. Well, I am giving it away if you haven't seen it, but if I'm assuming you've, you've seen it, um, if you're listening, there, there comes to a point where they think they're taking their own lives. And, um, we find out later that they wasn't, but, but the, they and the audience, uh, us viewers all assume that they're, they're meeting their deaths. And we didn't really get the time to really know them. At least I didn't. I didn't feel like I, I got to know them that well. So I didn't really feel anything for them, um, you know, with them passing, you know. And then we find out, I don't know how many minutes later, five, ten minutes later, that they didn't really, they didn't really die. They were um, transported. Yeah. Um, I, I think uh, it actually made for a little bit of uh, jeopardy in the whole story, though. And, um, and these two characters uh, seem to do a, a, an adequate job of uh, being, well, whether, whether they're going to be one-time um, companions, uh, not really companions, but, um, you know, uh, in, in the story, mm-hmm. I don't know. But um, uh, I, I wasn't quite sure about the um, size um, retro um, computer enhancements. I mean, I think he might have asked for his money back, really, at some point, because uh, unless you could argue that they were stylized, one of the things that we saw when yeah. we landed on the planet and we saw that great big hall, uh, and there was a nice little um, uh, double take, wasn't there, because the, the, all the claxons went off, the, the things went down, and we thought they'd been, they'd been uh, uh, you know, caught out at the very mm-hmm. first hurdle as it was uh, there were some people in all these different costumes so it could well be that those attachments he had on his head were you know he was almost celebrating the fact that he had them and so where nowadays we'd like everything to be you know uh, think of uh, seven of nine you know with very just a little very simple thing over the the eye and uh, it, it was like you said, very, very retro. It even was, you know, when he was taking out those chips. They, they, I mean, some of those chips looked like they were something from from the nineteen eighties. Like caterpillars, weren't they? You know, with sixteen mm-hmm. legs. You know, yeah. <laughs> so that, was, that wasn't uh, 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 twenty micron. Uh, chips with uh, 8 billion transistors on it, it looked, it, it looked like the very first chip that went in uh, you know, the uh, the 404 or whatever it was, well, in 808. The, in that, that little 11 minute behind the scenes um, piece that they do, you know, the, the, the companion piece to this episode, they had mentioned that he had um, two or four USB ports there, I'm like, well I, I think that far, I'm assuming this takes place far into the future, I think we'll probably pass USB by that point well, it's disappointing because when USB came, oh, oh, got some echo there from somewhere. Oh, I didn't hear. Um, you can uh, you can actually access 127 USBs. Are you still hearing echo? Uh, I don't know unless I talk. Oh, okay. uh, it's gone, I think now. Right. Yeah, uh, I mean, uh, when, when USB came out, uh, because obviously we used was it 128. So they use one as the zero address, so you can have 127 devices. But the disappointing thing for me was when they were in the actual, uh, what turned out to be the the room above the the deep basement, uh, the one that they blew the hole in, um, and the doctor asked for some schematics. Uh, He no sooner just pulls the cable out and supposedly being a little mini projector, and it it was literally the end of a USB cable. Yeah. They hadn't disguised it in any sense whatsoever. I mean, 
that, that was rather disappointing in in the way they did that. I mean, when you think that I mean Apple have got these glass things. Uh, it seemed very retro indeed, but um, they, they could have it, used it like nice fiber opt- optic cables or something like that. They could have, they could have done something different, but you know, it's well. Um, uh, one of the things that uh, I, I had pointed out is that probably a large part of the budget went on the animatronics for the the creature. Yes. We, we never find out what race this is, do we? The, the teller. Because uh, as you already quoted the extra, let me just mention that um, Peter Kamali did say that um, it was a, a breeze acting with this because normally, of course, you, 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 all this effect comes in afterwards. Indeed, they show one scene where they're saying goodbye to these creatures and they're just they're just standing in front of a green sheet, which, of course, is this home world of this, the, the well, not home world, a world where hopefully they're going to populate, because this story has even more weight when you think about it. They didn't just say these two creatures. Uh, they, they really released an Adam and Eve into the world, in one sense. They're the last of their kind. But um, uh, they, 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 when he was acting uh, with that person playing the part, uh, it seemed to be, it wasn't CGI, it was animatronics that, mm-hmm. I mean, I know there was some enhanced CGI with the sort of, uh, the wind and the pressure waves coming from the, uh, the yeah, antennae, yeah, the, mm-hmm. but, uh, sure. but, but, but the whole face and mouth and that seemed to be working in, it, in yeah. real time. Yeah. The, the cables and whatnot behind it that, that manipulate the, um, the mask, if you will. Yeah, that that scene was. Okay, I don't know whether. You... No, go ahead. I'm sorry. I, I didn't know whether you wanted to actually sort of uh, talk more sequentially about the story. I mean, uh, it was lovely that we had this uh, opening sequence. We had a little bit more banter with the Doctor and his companion. Well, uh, the, the very, very, very beginning of the episode opens with that, um, with like an abbreviated version of of the opening credits. That 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 animation, you know, with that that sequence with, um, you know, like the, of, the, of the beginning credits, and then you see the Doctor's face, and, you know, the, the teaser part of the episode. Um, that, I thought that was sort of interesting. I had a few seconds of that. Yeah, you could take to three, three exotic places, one of which was Blackpool, I think. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, that's... And then... <laughs> he was... He was um, yeah, uh, but it was great. Um, and... Um, Again, much has been made of the fact that uh, Clara has been this very, very important person in terms of the Doctor's life, the splintered Clara and so on and so forth. But I do definitely think they've moved well away from that now. We do have Clara who, um, you know, she is establishing herself in in the real world, in the here and now, you know, in... in yeah, she's, um, she's back at home healthy, again. Healthy pursuits, yeah, healthy, healthy pursuits. She's got a job, she's got a career. I, I love the one scene where uh, they jump back to, uh, where, you know, the doctor says, why you've got that, why you've flushed or whatever. And she's thinking about the, the time when... Um, uh, Pink uh, got up the courage for the presumably the second day because the first one, as we know, didn't go very well at all. But um, being an ex-teacher, I love the scene where they're just talking and getting, you know, a little bit uh, into their own involvement. And of course, the kids come in for the first lesson, <laughs> and they both get out. Get out! 
<laughs> that is so real, you wouldn't believe. Uh, but, I'm sure. Uh, yeah. But do you think it's, yeah, I, I think it's, it's a little out of character for the doctor to, just to come back, you know, like, to drop Clara. I mean, I know it's been going on for a while since Clara's been a companion, you know, to drop her off at Earth in her time and then come back and pick her up every time she needs, every time he needs her. It's, you know, he's never really no. done that before, you know. He always just, you know, come along, take me or, or, or stay, you know, come along with me or, or stay behind, you know, it's your choice, this type of thing, you know, and you travel with them or you don't. And it just seems very unlike the character of the Doctor to do this. Well, I don't know. They started out a little bit with Amy and Rory, didn't they? Because Amy yeah, and Rory... Yeah, that, that's true. They, they started doing yeah. that after they got sort of got married and then divorced and whatever. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. They started uh, doing uh, that. Uh, and, in their, and in their case, in, and, and he, uh, it was inopportune times. Now, in theory... Uh, it's inopportune times now for Clara. You know, I'm, I can't come home on a date. But, of course, this doctor seems to be able to control the time. Now, I don't think anybody's mentioned this much, but um, um, the doctor is definitely controlling the TARDIS more accurately. Yeah. Um, and he seems to be able to uh, not only get her back... This isn't Croydon. I mean, he seems to get her back uh, to, to where they left. And he seems to get her back on time, so it's not disruptive of her, of her ability yeah, there, there, there to, was just, to live a normal life. If you remember, I think it was the beginning of Into Dalek. She was dropped off somewhere else. I think I I, forget, I, I don't know if she said maybe it was Glasgow. Glasgow. I, I'm not sure where. No, he left her. He left her in Glasgow to go and get coffee. Oh, okay. And and, and, and then he and turned then up came back. school with the coffee. Yeah. So, so she said that she said that was two weeks ago. Yeah. So maybe that wasn't controlling the TARDIS. Maybe he just got wrapped up in something else. Well, he did because he yeah, that's he, true. He, he did. Yes. Everything, he? <laughs> he did. What is that? I don't know. Hate not knowing. Excuse me, sir. I regret to say that your guilt has been detected. What, that, that's totally ridiculous. Is it, sir? Well, then we will certainly double-check. The teller will now scan your thoughts for any criminal intent. Good luck, sir. Interesting. What is it? The latest thing in sniffer dogs. Telepathic. Dance oh. guilt. What about our guilt? Can't have been drowned out. Oh. What's he doing? If he has a plan... Try not to think of it. Ever tried not thinking about something? No. You may have to. Criminal intent detected. How naughty. What was your plan? Counterfeit currency in your briefcase, perhaps? No, not at all. For God's sake. It really doesn't matter. We'll establish the details later. The teller is never wrong when it comes to guilt. Your account will now be deleted, and obviously your mind. Supper time. It's wiping his mind, turning his brain into soup. Your next of kin will be informed and incarcerated as further inducement to honest financial transactions. So this bank is... Um... I just realised... Go ahead. 
You just realised. I just realised that might be a hidden message to some of the UK banking fraternity. That. Oh, how's that? <laughs> to what? Uh, um, well, when she says, that, let this be a warning to honest oh. financial transactions. <laughs> and uh, I bet there's a few people in England might like to have done that to some UK bankers for the crisis they caused, but that's just me being a bit naughty. Well, with this whole thing about criminal intent and uh, this bank is, you know, basically prosecuting people not for their crimes, but for their intent to... Uh, you know, the detection of a, of their intent to commit a crime, you know, echoes a little bit of Minority Report, um, you know, this, uh, you know, you know, arresting people or, or stopping crimes before they happen. Uh, but it, it also, and I'm sure this is all just coincidental, but um, there's an old Twilight Zone episode going back to 1961, and it's called A Penny for Your Thoughts, and it stars... Um, Dick York from um, those, uh, probably he's best known for playing Darren Stevens in Bewitch, which coincidentally is celebrating its 50th anniversary. Um, last Wednesday was the anniversary date when it was um, first uh, went out, when it first, was first broadcast, was 50 years ago. So um, um, anyway, not, not to get, getting back to the episode Penny for Your Thoughts, it's an old Twilight Zone episode where he plays a, a bank teller. And he just happens to, um, I think he buys a newspaper or something, and he, he tosses a, a coin into a, the, 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 like a, a box, whoever was selling the paper, and the coin, whatever, I forgot what coin it was, oh, a pen, probably a penny, a penny for your thoughts, landed yeah. on, uh, landed on its, um, on the edge, which, you know, seems to be impossible to do. And, and ever since then, he was hearing, he was collecting thoughts of other people uh, um, unintentionally, and uh, um, and as the story progresses, you know, th- there's a um, there's someone working in the bank who's scheming to uh, commit a crime, and he's trying to prevent it. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm not going to give away the ending, but there's um, you know, it's an interesting episode to go back and watch, and um, you know, especially since it does deal with the bank and it's it's um, reading thoughts, and it's um, you know, there's some parallels there. I I, you know, again, I'm not saying that they took it from there, but I'm just saying that it just could be just a coincidence. Well, it's very difficult to write something tr- tr- truly, um, yes. you know, unique. Yeah. I mean, you could, you, could, you could argue that the, the start of this program yeah. was sort of a little bit, uh, you know, mission impossible. Your mission, should you choose to accept it, yeah. you know, this tape will self-destroy. Well, I mean, we're, there's so many parallels. You know, and, as... Uh, one of the things... As artists, I was just going to say, we're all sponges and we all absorb this stuff. And sometimes, you know, we squeeze it out and some stuff is, is familiar. And it's, you know, it's just like influence, like musicians will have influences on other from other musicians. And you may hear a little of this musician or that musician in this other musician. They're, they're not, purp- they might not be purposely trying to copy it, but they're, it's, it's just influences. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, I think it was very uh, famously Terry Pratchett um, used to, and my son's a very big Terry Pratchett fan. Um, he would, if anybody ever came up to him and say, um, I've, got, uh, I've got this idea for a story, he'd stop them in the tracks because he was so afraid that if he wrote something that appeared to them to have been stolen from their thought, their ideas, they, they might sue him. So if anybody ever tried to say, you know what a good idea for another, you know, Discworld story would be, 
he would stop them there and he didn't want to listen anymore because he didn't want to have that then have that sort of excuse say, oh yeah, I had a conversation with him and he seemed very interested in my idea and blow me, it was all in his next book so I want half his profits mm. They were naming, they named this creature Teller because uh, obviously uh, I think the, you know, the pun with the name Teller, because banks have Tellers and, um, and this is a bank and, but here, this creature is, is able to tell the thoughts of others uh, he absorbs them and turns uh, turns their brains into soup, as it was, or that turns their minds into soup, and apparently their skull too, because that seems to collapse too. But um, it's and there's also a card game terminology as well. Like uh, if you remember, Casino uh, uh, yeah. Royale and James Bond. Mm-hmm. Um, mind you, they were very blunt and over-explained that in the film. I, I, lo- I love the film, but um, uh, when. Um, when the, the detective is is watching Bond playing, and is explaining to um, Eva Green's character, you know, there's the tell, uh, and he has to exp- obviously he's explaining for the audience who know nothing about poker, but um, it's obviously some nervous tick or whatever that betrays that you are, you know, um, doing something, you know, mm-hmm. you're bluffing or yeah. something like that. So um, that's another play on the word giveaway, yeah. Uh, there, there was uh, this episode had some um, throwbacks to past Doctor Who. Uh, there was a, a scene where um, I think Sai, who's the Sai, for, for those that um, just to get the names set, if, for those that are listening, Sai is the one who's um, half cyborg, the, the, the one with the computer parts in his brain, and then there was Sai. Um, Zebra, Cybra, Zebra, Zebra, yeah. yeah, and she plays the 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 one that metamorphizes, metamorph, you know, the metamorph, if you will, uh, for lack of a better name. Changeling, changeling, yes. So mutant human, yeah. So Cy was um, somehow called up a database of all these. There's a scene where they're trying to escape the the teller, and he distracts them by calling up this database of all these past criminals and all that. And I, I think in you see it flashing on the screen. I think we see an ice warrior, and if I'm not mistaken, a Santaran as well, and um, so uh, some other you know. For, for this is when it's locked. It's locked on. It's locked onto Clara. Yes, and yes. doing it to protect and to save her. Yeah, and, and then another throwback. The doctor. Later on in the story, um, mentions um, um, his scarf, big scarf, tie, and <laughs> being uh, embarrassed by it, and, 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 and then mocking himself, saying about um, his new look that he had, he was going for something um, minimalistic, and uh, but it looks more like a magician or something like that. Which she said in real life. The actress said that in real life as well. So that definitely was put in because mm-hmm. of Peter Camaldi, I think. Yeah. So. Uh, but the, if you're going to, uh, I mean, rather than, I mean, must concentrate more on the story, maybe. But if you're referencing the similarities, uh, the one that made most similarities to me was the Hyde episode. You know, the the from last season where mm-hmm. we had the what we thought was a haunted house. It turned out there was a creature, and then there was a pocket universe with mm-hmm. the the mate in it. That's true. And, um, I didn't think of that. And until that now. ended up with. 
Yeah, because yeah, then at the end, it was the whole thing about the um, the the real story was um, a creature, you know, going trying to you uh, reunite with his um, with his mate. Yeah. Yeah, uh, we had lots of things here. We had uh, we uh, we didn't, as you say, properly have any reference to this Missy. Although whether the shop, this shop mm-hmm. woman in the shop is yeah. the same person or not, I don't know. It could be. But um, yeah. we we got the doctor going on about the thing again. You know, uh, when in Dalek he said uh, um, he said to Clara, you know, can't do your thing, your thing. And and this one, the, the uh, cyber asking what his plan is. He said the thing's going to happen. There's the thing. That's the thing. And then he talks about special powers, as he did with um, uh, the last episode. Uh, listen, um, so yeah, I don't know whether these are little tropes or things coming into the storyline, but um, this uh, my thought was that it, it was very uh, ingenious the way it was written. We've got a nice uh, bookended story here, haven't we? We've got, uh, like you could say, argue like last week, although I didn't think it was as good as last week, but we've got the story that jumps straight in the story, and they did that in the Dalek one as well. We had that, and I think you made the comment on uh, on Podshot last week about the um, this uh, out of, um, you know, timey-wimey uh, uh, way the story's told. Yeah. Um, but we had this sort of, yeah... Um, so we had it out of jump out of context, and then um, we get the explanation right at the end, as we did last week. Uh, but it was a very satisfactory explanation here. There was no contention about you know uh, where some people may have wondered about whether it was Gallifrey and could they get was Gallifrey time locked and so on. In this, it had the self consistency that worked. You know, uh, we got the phone call. Uh, the person who phoned him got the phone call, the number of the phone to phone, a little bit like uh, Podshock's call number because the number was given to her on that piece of paper. Her, the event that um, precipitated all this happening, of course, was this um, the sun blasting off all this solar wind, which was a, obviously a, a major incident. It, I mean... Although the bank was fortified, one assumes it was fortified against people stealing things. Um, and from what we understand of the story, you know, this was a, the final act of this 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 bank. I mean, whether whether it would have survived and and all the all the uh, uh, objects uh, that were in the deep vaults survived, I don't know. Uh, but uh, this woman to make a getaway. Um, I think it was a Fabergé egg or something. That was about all she could take. Um, one of the nice things, by the way, if you and you did watch the extra because you mentioned it, mm-hmm. is the director had um, a little oh, cardboard yes. rocket. Thing. Yes, yeah. His son, yeah. I think his son made it or or daughter made it. A chi- a, a, um, one of his children had made it for him. Yeah, yeah. Sure. But. Um, uh, the the whole story was set against that, but the 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 explanation at the end um, certainly satisfied me. the The only thing I thought about it was it was a little bit derivative in some of those aspects. But then again, what story is truly you know uh, you know has no relationship to what's gone on before it. So the acting of these two uh, 
you know, maybe one-off companions. Mm -hmm. There was a little bit of reference to, you know, the, the guy's size says, you know, if you need me for a bank um, robbery again, call me. And Clara says uh, he doesn't do that sort of thing. But as he's going, the doctor does the ringing to his ear business again. So you never know whether you might see them. Yeah. Uh, certainly the two actors on the extras were would have been keen to have a recurring role. Um, what else? Um, the, the the only plot hole that I thought about was those enormous air grids. I mean, uh, we've seen them wandering around in spaceships in Star Trek and all that. But, I mean, they were literally big enough for two people to go in with a great big sign saying, you know, no entry through here. But yet they made it <laughs> an enormous size. Yeah. Um, Thought, thought the creature was great. I liked the um, the way when they broke into the one room where it was contained behind this um, heavily armoured glass. And, of course, its breath was uh, steamy tall up. Made me think a little bit of Torchwood and the, uh, oh, the yeah, 4, that, 5, 6 or whatever yeah. it was. Mm -hmm. Where, you know, you see these things and then suddenly they lurch forward in that. Uh, I thought the creature was very successful, and when the uh, the chap um, who was interrogated and uh, was attacked by the creature then, and basically, as the doctor says, his brains turned to soup. Thought that was quite frightening. I mean, they were taught, they were building up the scare factor for last week. This seemed to be more scary in that sense, and, and more of a shock. I would have thought. I thought it was quite frightening for children that image because. There was no real reason for the skull to have caved in. Yeah, um, like I said, it seemed that, if his yeah. brain had gone soup, the the, the bone, the that's, carapace, yeah. or whatever you call it, would still be there. The skull. I, that's what I said. Apparently, it turns the skull into soup too, or uh, or maybe just the the, the waves that um, where where it entered the mind affected the skull. I don't know. I'm you know we're, we're making up stuff here. Yeah. You know, I agree with you. I think they yeah. did. I think the uh, the creature was realized very well. I think they they did that good. I think the um, the effects in the story were all done very well, and um, you know the acting and um, it was good direction. So um, I, I think all that worked in its favor. Uh, very, and I'm also pleased to say to see that there was very little or no use. I, I think I think they used it once of the sonic screwdriver, where um, as opposed, to, you know, the, the doctor here in this episode worked more th worked things out in his head, which I like to see. And I, I hate using the sonic screwdriver as this magic wand that does everything. So I was glad to see that it didn't get overused in this episode. Well, it was good because uh, he tried it and he said it was an uh, atomic lock or something. Uh, and, the, and even I can't solve that. But then he he has this thought, well, but the architect must have known that. There must be other things. And then it's at that point that the, the storm starts to hit. And um, there's, there's one quite telling scene where they've actually got down into that lower vault because of course they, they, they find the things that these people want uh, you mentioned the, uh, the the side guy needs uh, he'd, he'd given up his memories of his family so mm -hmm. he couldn't be have those taken out of him from interrogation um, we find this suppressant uh, for the girl who, who, who says she's lonely because she can't touch anybody um, and that relates, I mean, that's that idea of, you know, being isolated because of your power, I suppose, has been used before. And then um, we have the scene where 
they they realise that the the thing that the doctor wants is in the the private vault at the bottom, uh, which has air conditioning and that going to it, which we assume is for the the main woman who runs the 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 bank. But of course, as we find out at the end, it's also because there's a, a further creature hidden in a sub vault in that area. But when the doctor goes in, um, he um, he's trying to work out what 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 had stuck in his memory and that was that um this cyber had said you know i can't be with anybody because uh, as soon as i touch them uh, i look like them and they wouldn't trust me and the doctor says now i know why i don't like the architect i don't like him and when he's saying that he actually points to his own chest uh i mean almost subconsciously does that and of course uh, in the um the explanation at the end when we see him actually practicing the word architect on the, you know, mm-hmm. the TARDIS uh, console and that, we realise that he's set the whole plan in motion. Um, yeah. And, uh, and I think uh, some people think, well, you know, if he could get on the planet to plant those clues, why didn't he do it? Um, but there are some reasons. Um, one person I thought might have come on and explain that, so I'll, I'm not going to say it's my my thinking, but I think it was Darth that uh, said, well, if the Doctor came to the planet to leave those clues, why didn't he do the snatch then? Well, they couldn't, because the whole point was this woman had to have this regret. She had to leave the facility during this crisis, Mm -hmm. breaking the telepathic hold over this creature, and therefore, um, at the end of her life, having the regret. He's provided her with the phone number. On that piece of paper, he actually has the word, I'm a time... He says, I'm a time traveller, yeah. to, to plant the seed in. So mm-hmm. that, that's nice logic. But I'm assuming that to, to plant those suitcases, basically, and I mentioned before that the, the doctor seems to be able to control the TARDIS much better now, basically, he would land uh, within two seconds get the suitcase out of the TARDIS door, put it on the table, and back in the TARDIS, he'd be off before he was even, you know, the alarms would still be going. So it was, to me, entirely plausible that he could have planted the clues, but yet um, we we only find out, and I don't know if you want to move on with another clip yeah, before just, we go too to, far yeah. down the storyline. Yeah, well, this is, this is um, the storm. Lots locked. Last one still in place. Atomic seal unbreakable. Even for me. The architect would know that. And bring us all this way for nothing. And get two people killed. Exactly. There must be some logic. Some logic? Come on, architect. What else have you got? Please. What was the disturbance? Solar storm getting worse, interfering with our systems. Storm. Storm's tripping the system. That's what he's got, Storm. How would he know when a storm would hit? Stupid, stupid doctor, of course, of course. Of course, what? Whoever planned all this there in the future. 
This isn't just a bank heist. It's a time travel heist. We've been sent back in time to the exact moment of the storm to be in exactly the right place when it hits because that's the only time that the bank is vulnerable. Vault unlocked. So that, that that goes to what you were just talking about, you know, the architect yeah. giving these clues, which is uh, is revealed later on to really be him. Yeah, and um, we also have this. Uh, we have the, as you say, that the the second supposed death uh, of distracting, because uh, Clara has been latched onto the second time, uh, and then. Uh, they find the things that needed, and uh, I mean, I don't want to explain the story because people who listen to this have have seen it. But um, what, I'm, what I'm trying to get at in a, a fumbly way there is that um, the story doesn't seem to have a lot of plot, plot holes when the um, the robot of uh, Sherwood uh, may have been a, a funny romp, and for me was a little bit too silly. But the plot made no sense here. To me, the plot seemed very finely tuned uh, and worked uh, on a lot of levels. Slightly disappointed by the fact that it was a, you know, it was two creatures, not one, because they've had that as a resolution yeah. before. Mm-hmm. But I think all the steps that led to that, you know, uh, were finely plotted. Uh, so it, it was certainly a clever, cleverly done one. Uh, and noticing the the writing credits. Uh, as well as Stephen Thompson, uh, Stephen Moffat ha- has a credit. Now, did he just write the story art bits in? Because this seems to have a lot of the signature Stephen Moffat, you know, timey-wimey stuff uh, yes, yeah. in it. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. It, it, it could very well be. I mean, um, it, it seems like we probably can point out to the part, the pieces that Stephen Moffat might have tacked onto it. Or, or modified. Well, in, integrated into it. I don't think they're tacked on in any yeah. way. I mean, we have we have had instances, haven't we? And we've had. I mean, if we go all the way back to the Christmas one, where people said, "Well, we waited too long," and then there were just things, things that we wanted, but they were sort of. Oh well, I suppose I better get. I've got these five unresolved things. I'll uh, uh, points in the dialogue. I'll stick those five in, and people felt as though. A little bit cheated by them, even though they they did the job, and even though fans were a country lot, some of us are anyway. That um, you know, uh, even if you just had a throwaway line, that would be enough. But of course, when you wait two and a half years, sometimes a throwaway line <laughs> isn't enough to satisfy you. But um, to me, no, it 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 it's it, 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 if this had been classed as a Stephen Moffat script, it, that wouldn't surprise me. But I don't want to diminish the uh, the work of uh, Stephen Thompson, who who, who pr- presumably did the whole story, and it's just the way it has to be bended and, and, and slightly convoluted to fit into the plot. But not too much this time. Um, so I think it was, um, to me, um, maybe I don't know where we are in whether you're ready to go to a caller or not. But um, for me, this was um, a very uh, workmanlike uh, story. Uh, had some very good uh, 
ideas in it, maybe not all original ideas, but they were used in an original and fitting together way, uh, called on a little bit of uh, some uh, past uh, things. Uh, but quite, quite a frightening one. I mean, like, uh, for instance, this woman, I mean, uh, uh, we're almost going back to the Adipoise lady, aren't we, in terms of uh, the callousness of her. Um, uh, you know, she has clones of herself, and when she fires them, <laughs> she doesn't mean sacking them. She fires them. They go in an incinerator. Yeah. So mm-hmm. no wonder. It's a messy. It's yeah, a messy. I mean, uh, it's a messy thing getting fired around here. Some uh, to quote the episode. Uh, yeah. Paraphrase, I should say. Yeah. She, yeah. Um, so um, if, uh, partners in crime. The uh, Adipoise lady. I mean, she was very much like that. The nanny yeah. woman in that. Um, this. This uh, again seems to be a Stephen Moffat trait uh, of having these. Um, very strong women, as that you said earlier on, you know. Yeah, and they all have like you know this similar chiseled look to them, you know, as well. Hi, this is Fraser Hines, and you're listening to a Doctor Who Podshock. We'll be right back with our review of Time Heist, a live review on the net with your live feedback. But first, we're going to take a break and remind everyone about Audible and make a selection of what your free audio book from Audible could be. Um, As always, um, we try to make a selection that somehow ties into what we're talking about in this particular episode of Dr. Hupachok. This one might be a little bit more challenging, time heist, because, um, well, there, there is a Doctor Who story the, uh, that, that does have a, a bit of a heist in it as well. Um, that is available on Audible, which is the Rebus operation, the first one of the key to time. But we had just recommended that just a, a few months ago, so um, we're going to pick something else out instead. Now, Audible is the premier provider of digital audiobooks. Audible has over 150,000 titles to choose from in all different genres. You heard me say it before, from thrillers, romance, business, sci-fi, comedy, and so much more. And of course, a big chunk of that is Doctor Who. And Audible titles will play on your iPhone, including the new iPhones, uh, Kindles, Androids, um, Fire, uh, over 500 devices for listening anytime and anywhere. And for you, yes, you, listeners of Doctor Who Podshock, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial so you have a chance to check out their service. If you decide it's not for you, you can cancel any time and just keep your free audiobook. It's yours to keep. No strings attached. So to download your free audiobook, simply go to Audible Trial, one word, audibletrial.com slash podshock. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash podshock for your free audiobook. And if you can't um, get to that URL now, you can't write it down, have no fear, Podshock is here. Go to podshock.net and you'll find links to it there as well. So as I said, what will be our recommendation then? Well, <laughs> since Time Heist has a teller that somewhat um, robs people of their minds, well, I guess the natural selection would be a classic second Doctor story called The Mind Robber. 
Yes, the mine robber. Um, it's it's a story that's quite different than Time Heist, but um, but as the title implies, yes, it's, there's some similarities there. As I said, this is the second Doctor. It's a novelization put to audiobook. It's unabridged. It's uh, written by Peter Ling, and it's narrated by Derek Jacoby, or Jacoby. <laughs> I'm sure I'm messing that up there. Who, as you know, um, briefly was the master not too long ago. Well, actually, now it's been a while. Let's hear a little bit from that now. It all began with a bang. He could remember that much, at least. A long, echoing explosion like a thunderclap that seemed to roll around earth and sky. He remembered how he had caught his breath and how his pulse had raced at the ominous sound. But after that, what else remained in his memory? Nothing. At least nothing that made any sense. The doctor sat quite still and tried to collect his thoughts. What had happened? How had he come to be here? And, most important of all, where was he? He knew that he must have been asleep, or perhaps unconscious. He had woken up with a splitting headache. He had opened his eyes to find himself in total darkness, and, peer as he might, he could not see a glimmer of light in any direction. He was sitting on a hard, stony floor, with his back against something that seemed to be a tree trunk. Stretching out a hand, he could touch the knobbly roots of a tree to one side, and a patch of something that felt like moss. That there was something wrong with it. He shook his head, trying to throw off the cobwebs that seemed to be shrouding his brain. He must think. Try to concentrate, try to pin down the elusive clue that was just out of reach. What was it that felt wrong with the situation in which he found himself? If he were lost in some impenetrably dark forest in the middle of the night, he would just have to wait patiently for daybreak. And then he snapped his fingers. At last he knew what was wrong. The moss. The tree roots, the rough bark behind him, all felt solid and real enough. But they didn't smell like a forest. There was no scent of damp moss, of leaf mold, of living things wafted on the night air. This forest smelt of nothing at all. He shivered a little and shut his eyes. There was nothing for it but to sit and wait for whatever might happen next. And while he waited, he would try to piece his thoughts together like fragments of a jigsaw puzzle. He would do his best to remember what had happened. Certainly, it all began with a big bang. Fleetingly, he remembered that this was one accredited explanation for the beginning of the universe, the big bang theory. He gave a tiny grunt of amusement. <laughs> At least he hadn't lost his memory altogether. That was some consolation. But this particular explosion had been of a very special kind. It had been the start of a spectacular volcanic eruption. That was, again, Derek Jacopi from... Um, Sir Derek Jacopi um, reading The Mine Robber. Doctor Who, The Mine Robber. A, like I said, it's a classic second Doctor story. Uh, that could be a free audiobook, or you could choose whatever Audible has to offer for free as your selection and make that your free audiobook. Uh, once again, to get your free audiobook, simply go to audibletrial.com slash Again, that's audibletrial.com. 
com slash podchalk for your free audiobook. And now we return to our live review of Time Heist with your live feedback. If, if you're listening live, if you want to call in and participate um, while we're doing the show live, you can call 724 724- Four 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 seven four four four, you know during the live time, and then you can um, join in. The call ID for the show is two three three five eight. Shut up, everybody! Just, just shut up. And what is this display now? As amusing as you are. Shut up! Just shut up! Shut up! Shut up! Shut it up! 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 What? What did you say? What did? What did you say? What did you say about your own eyes? D shut up. Say it again. How can you trust someone if they look back at you out of your own eyes? I know one thing about the architect. What is it that I know about the architect? I know one thing, something that I've known from the very start. What? I hate him. He's overbearing. He's manipulative. He likes to think that he's very clever. I hate him! Clara, don't you see? I hate the architect. What in the name of sanity is going on in this room now? We're getting sanity judgment from the self-burner. What if I borrow a little bit of paper? And what are you doing now? I'm giving you my telephone number. Why? Well, I thought you might like to call me someday. So, yeah, this is um, the doctor working it all out, thinking it out. And, uh, you know, Clara's thinking, oh, well, are you remembering now? And he says, no, no, I'm just, you know, working it out and um, what's going on here. And um, but in a way, I mean, the, what, what we see unfold in this scene, the doctor is sort of in a, in a way spoiling the end of the episode, because then after this, you know, I... I I clearly knew what he was going after, what he was, you know, what he was saying. And by giving her the number, now I was expecting, you know, her to call on her deathbed. And she, and that's exactly what happened. So, um, I, I don't know. Maybe I thought maybe if, if, um, if she, if he didn't give, if, if the camera didn't show everything and it didn't, if he didn't say as much as he did and it wasn't so, Plain, maybe um, it might have worked better, and then they they could have the way they do this non-linear storytelling. Maybe at the end, backtrack a little on on that scene, and uh, I don't know if it would work better or not. But it just it just seemed like after that scene, then I knew exactly what was going to happen, and then it's exactly what did happen. But in a way, yes, that was a reveal. But that wasn't the real reveal, because the real yes, reveal yes, that's was true. Yeah, the, the hole the, the hole they had on the teller, yeah. which was the fact that there was a second creature locked up in mm-hmm. the vault. Yes. All right, we're going to um, open it up to people that like to uh, participate. As always, Podchuck supporting, Podchuck supporting subscribers will get priority. We had Kyle... Um, in the queue, but he unfortunately had to run, so uh, unfortunately we can't hear from him. Maybe um, if he joins us next week, he can uh, chime in on, on his, thought, his thoughts. 
um, that he wants you to share this week. Uh, but calling back once again is Price Pudding Brain, which is um, an old friend of mine, Steve. So let's get him on board once again. Welcome back. Hello, Lewis. Hello, Dave. How are you? Hi, yeah. Thanks for waiting. Hey, thank you. Great to have you back. Um, I was calling in. Um, I know I injected a lot of superhero paranoia into last week's <laughs> podcast, but I'm here to do it again. Um, I, I noticed, uh, I, I'm thinking there might be a lot of love for the film director Brian Singer in Cardiff these days, because I see a lot of uh, similarities there, there seems Could to be. be some X-Men references and some... Rogue. Uh, yes, yes, and uh, the <laughs> usual suspects. I was calling. I was going to call the podcast, the, sorry, not the podcast, the episode, The Hoosual Suspects. My brother <laughs> called it Ocean's 12th, 12th Doctor, which I thought was very clever. Mm-hmm. But um, it seems that there Mission, are... Uh, Mission Impossible as well. Yes, yes, yes. Um, but there are... We, of course, the uh, the mutants with pow- powers that uh, duplicate other people's would be Saber and is very imitative of Rogue. And you have the other character who is Amnesiac, mimicking Wolverine, who is the other nominal star of the first Brian Singer X-Men movie. And uh, he's a leather jacket-wearing tough guy. That's true. But uh, also, the, you have the Doctor as a participant in a caper, and he's technically the architect of the plan, which is evocative of Kaiser Soze in The Usual Suspects. So I thought that was pretty uh, interesting. Spoilers! Spoilers! <laughs> oh, I should have done that. That's all right. I, I, I thought you'd give a spoiler warning at the beginning. Yeah, well, for this episode, for <laughs> the Doctor Who. <laughs> not, not for other movies. I haven't seen the movie, but I'll forget it by the time I do see it, if I see it. so oh, God, It's okay. Sorry. Don't worry about it. <laughs> well, that was a newbie mistake. I apologize. <laughs> It's all good. Oh, okay. Well, I guess it... <laughs> well, Maybe I should quit while I'm behind. Well, uh, how, how old is the movie? I mean, there, there, I guess there's a... Um, isn't there, like, a, a after a certain amount of time, <laughs> you, you know, Luke, I'm your father type of thing, where after a certain yes, amount of time... That's, you... uh, that's, well, I'm going to invoke that clause now, clause now but, uh, <laughs> yes. Uh, no, well, sorry about that. Uh, oh, yeah. A, a uh, statue of uh, of years that should be for for um, spoilerification. Sorry. <laughs> yes. Tell me, have you been anywhere and seen the Statue of Liberty in ruins? <laughs> <laughs> well, um, well, to get back to I guess more uh, Doctor Who related stuff, I had almost jumped to the conclusion that uh, the teller. Was, had something being held hostage, but I thought it was the memory worms because of their antennae. I assumed that they were the larval form and children of the teller. Oh, and, uh, that's interesting. And also because they were sort of psychic. Mm-hmm. But apparently that's not a connection, so that was another blind alley for me. But, uh, yeah. But I was wondering, um, with these sort of like hero insertions, and I had noticed this with the first episode because... I know that Vastra is sort of a stand-in for Sherlock Holmes, and mm-hmm. you have the doctor at the beginning of that episode uh, questioning whether he's a good man, and it seems that he's going up against or archetypes or, uh, I guess, other legendary figures. You have Robin Hood being the most obvious, and then you have the Superman references in Listen, and then you have the X-Men here, 
And I'm wondering if at some point, if he doesn't show up against some kind of trademark-free understudy of Tarzan, I might be disappointed. But I wonder if they're trying to sort of juxtapose his position in mythology. Well, he went, up against, he went up against Godzilla in the first one. Yeah, well, there you go. Hmm. <laughs> that was a very large Tyrannosaurus. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's good that you... I assume that that was all driven by the need to get the TARDIS into the throat of the monster. Well, that yeah. and probably the big screen, uh, having it, you know, competing with Godzilla on the big screen, since that, that yeah, went true. out in the theaters, that episode. For, oh, that's um, true, that's true, yeah. They should definitely. They should definitely have explained that as, you know, the dinosaur. It, uh, it, the the you know the TARDIS vented some gas or something, and that <laughs> made the dinosaur you know ten times bigger or something. I did like uh, Vastra's self-righteous defense of her eyewitness account of the dinosaurs. I thought that was amusing. <laughs> <laughs> and you don't know whether she's telling the truth or not because she just appears to like to mess with her wife. Yeah. There you go. It's but, interesting. Uh, yeah, there are there are other uh, references in this episode too. Although I probably shouldn't go on to the uh, usual suspect. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, sorry about that. Well, you, you had brought up about the doctor asking if he's a, a good man, and it's interesting in this episode, right before what she thought was going to be her death, Cyber um, said, you know, said out loud. You know, uh, a good man. You know, calling calling that to the doctor. Yes, that she had wanted. She needed to meet one of those before she died, or something along yeah. those lines. Yeah, and I, I think that was to counterbalance as well as that the Psy guy had called him. You know, dispassionate doctor. Uh, you know, earlier. So it, I think the line was in there to counterbalance that because the the doctor still not getting any further to, to having a resolution. And this this that tirade that you we just said about the, the shut up when the doctor says he hates the architect, he says that knowing that he must have been the architect. Uh, and whether yeah, that's sort of this, a self loathing what identifies him as his own self loathing. It's fantastic. <laughs> hmm. So, I mean, was this as strong an episode uh, as as the others? Uh, was did you prefer last week's? Or? Well, I, I I liked last week's. This one, I was so I was I was very busy catching all of the Brian Singer references, and uh, I found that very entertaining. I found the other one a little more gripping, but I did like this one a lot, and I, I sort of liked how they integrate some stuff. Some of the things I, I couldn't exactly figure out that if if the uh, the teller. And I hate to nitpick, but like, if it's a telekinetic, you know, why is it chained up? <laughs> I don't know. It was able to open the vault, I guess, because it was linked to the the bank owner, and she might have given the command to kill its mate. But uh, uh, I don't like to pick at those things because I think that uh, if you uh, break down every fiction into uh, uh, what it what it what it should have done, it will become a fact, and then it can't be done. But uh, no, I, I found it very enjoyable. I like the creature. I, it reminded me, and there was a reference to it pursuing, it's almost like the Minotaur pursuing them through the maze. You know, and it pursues mm-hmm. them first through the maze of the mind and also through the maze of the bank. And I like that imagery. And I thought it was very convincing animatronic. I liked it a lot. Yeah, absolutely. I also saw the special, and I see the actors agreed, but uh, I liked it a lot. Well, isn't that a connection to the classic? Wasn't it uh, the other 
Troughton was sub, wasn't it? David Troughton who played the Minotaur. Lewis? Did he? Did, did he? I was, uh, I was actually in my mind. I was trying to connect. I, I know Pompeii through Greece somehow, but I didn't. I didn't manage to. Do I know it. David Prowse, who played Darth Vader, played the Minotaur in one of the Sinbad movies. But ah, all right. So, would you, did you want to give it a Tardis Grown ratings, like between one and five Tardis Groans? How many Tardis Groans you, would you give it? I would give it four. Oh, okay, very good. It I, entertained me. Well, thanks again. Uh, it's great having you back on the show, Steve. So. Um, until okay. next time. Sorry about the spoilers. No, that's no, okay. I like I said, I, I don't know about. I mean, I don't Stop know how digging. many. Stop digging. I don't know how old it is. I hadn't seen it, but it, I'm sure I've already forgotten the name. So don't worry about it. So I well, I'm, okay. Uh, I, everyone that's listening, I'm trying to go on your sleeplessness to, to aid me <laughs> in my absolution. <laughs> Those that are, haven't seen it that are listening to the show might be spoiled, but I, I don't know how old the, the movie is, so I don't know. Uh, David Trout was in uh, Curse of Peladon. That's the one I was thinking of. Uh, all right, gentlemen. I will leave you to it, and uh, thanks for having me on. Okay. Cheers. Cheers. Take care. Thanks. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Now, I have rice pudding brain. Uh, <laughs> well, he has price pudding brain. I have rice pudding brain. All right. Uh, well, we don't have any more callers, so that's that's going to round up. Our, our, if you want to give your thoughts, though, on this episode after the fact, after the live show, feel, feel free to do so by calling the Podshock public call box. And that's um, unlike the doctor's, um, you know, police box, <laughs> time machine. You, uh, it's it's not open. It's not just very. It's not not limited to just a few people. Um, anyone can call. The number is 206-337-4699, and you can call that anytime, um, any and 24 hours a day, or how many hours your day has. Mine apparently has like 36 or 48 hours, <laughs> uh, being that I'm still up from yesterday. So 206-206-337-4699, and uh, you could leave, um, leave uh, keep your message down to just a few minutes and um, you know, and we can um, include it in a future episode. I know we did get some feedback, which um, were, were um, the next studio show that we do. Uh, we'll include that feedback in because it's kind of hard to do it in the live show. You will rob the bank of Catabraxos. Did you see why we came? Why we're here? We had to delete her own memories. Otherwise, she would have known. And then she'd have known because you were mentally linked. But she's gone now. They've all gone. They have no power over you now. You can do exactly what you want to do now. Exactly what you've always wanted to do. It knows the combination. Of course it does. It was linked to Calabraxos. What exactly are we doing here? That thing killed people. Well, so might you do to protect everything you loved. There she is. Not the last of its species. The last two. It's okay. It's okay. It's all right. Exit strategy. We've got six shredders. 
Exactly. This wasn't a bank heist. It never was. It was a rescue mission for a whole species, flesh and blood. The last currency. Time to go home. What'd you think of that, big man? Uh-huh. So, yeah, I thought it was... um. Because I, it's one of those episodes which I liked more on the second viewing than than on the first. Uh, it's like I said, I I think the pacing was very good, and I sometimes I wonder if if it was longer, if the pacing would have suffered, or if it was longer, maybe um, I you know upon watching it the first time, you get to know the characters a little bit more, and you felt more, um, you know. Um, you felt more of a connection with them, it, and I because when if, you if see it the second time, died, if if you if they had have died, I would agree with you. But you would have yes. felt, as you said, you didn't. But because it was a false death, they came back. Then we got to know them a little bit more. Yeah, yeah. I think maybe that's why I liked it better on the second viewings because now I already knew them. And they, they um, you know, and I could relate to them more than when watching them the first time. I'm like, oh well, because it, it happens very quickly. Like this whole episode unfolds very quickly. I mean, we're in um, Clara's apartment, and the next thing you know, um, a few minutes later, we're we're somewhere else with memory worms. Right, but uh, but I mean, in the Dalek episode, we had that. You know that person die, and the doctor says, "Catch this, and uh, will it help?" You know, and it, it wasn't to help him at all. It was so they could track where his body went. Yeah. Um, uh, we we also had this reference again, as I say, to superpowers. You know, we had the uh, last week. You know, your fear was your superpower. Here, everybody in the group had some sort of power. Well, or yeah, there was, a, there was a there was a scene. Did. Where um, you know someone, uh, I think it was Cy said, "Why are you, you know, why are you the?" Or maybe it was um, Cyber. Cyber said, "Why are you the leader?" And she says, uh, "Or maybe it, I, whoever said it." Who made you the leader? Yeah. yeah. And then um, he says, "Well, that's my superpower. What's yours?" And talking to to Cyber, and, and then now then she explains what her. Well, she doesn't explain. She shows. She demonstrates. I, I think the doctor actually says, "Well, basically, it's the eyebrows." Yeah, I think that's uh, that's in the in the lift scene. Uh, that's later on. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I, I should just say that we've got uh, uh, Tim and Kathleen uh, in audio. They've given the score four out of five. I don't see any other score four out of five rating. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to give it. I you don't know, um, like I said, I. Um, I, I you know I I thought it could have been I don't know I, I could I thought I could have been more enthralled into the story you know it was always you know watching it the first time I was sort of like watching the clock a little bit and that's not a good sign so um, but I, again I I enjoyed it the second time more so so I'm giving it three out of five Tardis groans and uh, um, I, you know like I said I, I didn't dislike it I just I just hoped I had I just wish I'd liked it a little bit more. And um, but you know maybe oh, watching it again, I might give it three and a half Tardis crowns. I would definitely say this is one series where uh, there's there's real value in watching them again. You you may not necessarily go up in the rating, but the, there's so much 
condensed into this uh, you know yeah. amount of time again we've had different uh, lengths i mean strangely you, that you said that um, this maybe could have done with a little bit more time and yet it was about two to nearly th two and a half minutes shorter than last week i think last week's was over 47 minutes this was barely 45. 45, was yeah. it? Let's well, say there's a two, yeah, two minutes. But I, I would give this a very solid four out of five. I'd deal with uh, Jim and Kathleen. Um, I might have even given it four and a half, but I thought last week's was such a good one. It, and it may go up for that, but um, definitely a solid four out of five. It was, um, uh, and again, somebody else that was talking before, um, not on this call, but. Um, they were saying that if they wanted to introduce, you know, if they were looking for a more modern version of Doctor Who to introduce somebody to the Doctor, this actually might not be a bad episode because mm -hmm. you've got the timey-wimey element, you've got you've got the 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 the, the frippery and the the jokiness between the well, the sort of offbeat humour between Clara and the Doctor. You've got a little background story about her, you know, teaching and uh, dating. You've got this space adventure. You've got time travel. You've got, you know, um, quite exotic things going on. Um, <laughs> one exotic thing that wasn't there, I thought was there, by the way, when we were in that hall uh, and you saw all the different people from different worlds there, I thought I saw a yellow smurf. I thought, what's a smurf? <laughs> <laughs> and it, it was a woman, in a, a female in a, a, a yellow costume, but she had blonde hair, but it was up to like a point, but it looked like a Smurf's hat, you know what I mean? <laughs> a white Smurf yeah. hat. I thought it's a blooming... So if you, anybody watches again, look out when they're just going to interrogate that man. You'll see a... a <laughs> I have to take a look, Smurf yeah. In there. <laughs> oh, dear, dear, dear. No, I, I thought it was a solid four out of five. Very good, yeah. Well, I, I guess I think technically, um, again, um, um, prop, props to uh, to those that that worked on the episode. I, I think it was visually very good, and, um, and I thought the direction was good and the acting was good. Mm. All right. Well, yeah. let's... the animatronics sold it. I think for that uh, creature, yeah, yeah. Made it believable. If, if, the, if uh, you know, we had mentioned the behind the scenes thing, you know, where the actors said that how believable it was, but you know, I think that was if it if it wasn't so. If they didn't do it so well, then it might have um, broken some of the, um, you know, the, the the suspension of belief there. But you know, with Doctor Who, I, I can if if the story is good and the characters are good, I can forgive, um, <laughs> you know, stuff like that. And Clara in the suit looks very good. Yes, Clara. Very important point. I had to get that in. <laughs> Well, we'll be back uh, well, next next week. Yes, we'll be back next time, which uh, continues this whole, uh, you know, w w that end of this episode sort of like is uh, with um, you know setting up for another date with um, um, Danny, Danny Pink. So we'll see. Um, I, I'm hoping that that things start progressing a little further, and because it seems like every time we see Danny Pink, it's uh, it's like in another awkward dating moment so hopefully um we get next episode we'll see um his character unfold and develop a little more oh lewis 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 lad you're a bit racy they're only going on the second date 
Yeah, it just seems I don't know. We're already, but we're halfway, no, I, I think we're halfway through the series. Next episode is is episode six. So, well, we'll see. We still got. Yeah, I think I think only a week is supposed to have gone by since last week's story. If you know what I mean, in, yeah. in Clara's timeline, main live stream. Yeah, yeah, timeline. Uh, this is a little taste for next week. You okay? Yeah, of course I'm okay. Why haven't I been okay? Just... Oh, every time I see you, it's like... What? In a rush, in a state. How are you? Sorry I'm late. Who are you having dinner with? I can't keep doing this. I can't do it. The next few days are all about you. I promise. I'm the new caretaker, John Smith. Welcome to Colville, Mr. Smith. Thanks. Problem. Solution. Destroy. Good hearing John Smith being used, the name John Smith being used once again as a alias. And um, yep. the episode itself is called The Caretaker. All Look right. forward to it. Yeah, so we'll be back next time for that. Dave, once again, thank you for... I know it's been a long day for you, and as always, um, you can catch the Colton Collective every Sunday at 2 p.m. on the same channel. Well... A different call ID number, but the same uh, talk shoe website. Uh, if you want to catch it live, or if you, you you could listen after the fact on iTunes and all different other places as well. Uh, yeah, yes. and if you subscribe on iTunes, you'll find there's at least 170 earlier episodes. Because if you don't subscribe, you only see the latest 300 episodes, and we've done nearly 480 now, unbelievably. And you know anyone that's starting to subscribe now, they're going to want to, you know, listen to them all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so catch that. Um, uh, Ian, I know, is, um, you know, would have been here too, but it's, it's like, it's, you know, he has a family and it's, um, it's a lot to do two shows back to back. So, um, but I'm sure yeah. he'll, he'll be back when we do studio, studio recordings again. So yeah, uh, I'm sure he will be. So I guess that's that wraps up this show. So until next time, everyone, cheers. Uh, uh, when are we starting the show, Lewis? Put that worm down. Oh, you you, you touched those worms again. Should we, <laughs> should we start show? the show now? Are we ready to start? What show? What show are you talking about? <laughs> uh, we'll figure it out, and we'll be back next time. I hope you will be. Bye-bye. I hope you will be too. Cheers. You have been listening to Doctor Who Podshock, presented to you by the fan-run GallifernMC.org. Doctor Who is owned and trademarked by the BBC. Doctor Who Podshock is not affiliated with the BBC in any way. Doctor Who Podshock theme music by Jeff Smith at thejeffsmith.com. This has been a production of Art Trap Productions and has been made possible by supporting subscribers and donations from listeners like you. This podcast is also supported by the Podchuck Podcast Companion app now in the iTunes App Store. Visit ArtTrap.com for more information on this and other podcasts. Don't. Why not? Because if you answer it, something will happen. What? A thing. 
It's just a phone, Clara. Nothing happens when you answer the phone. 